Six, the pimp. Outside, in the dark, swarming thunderstorm, Jules unpuckered his umbrella with the press of a small button. Its arms snapped and arched above his tall and sinewy body, like his own personal cave. Inside his stainless steel clad and fireproof briefcase, he carried the matchbooks past solar-powered black cars lined up outside to the nearest subway entrance two blocks away. The video feed transmitted by implants in his eyes sent images to his boss, who observed with great interest from his penthouse perch far above Central Park. Mr. Jules Barbion, his name embedded into his quantum currency card and bank accounts, folded his umbrella and slipped down the throat of a wet stairwell into the humid clutches of subway air to a Second Avenue T-train. Within moments, he found a vagrant looking to sell a swipe off of someone's stolen card. He could not exchange it for coin. There wasn't any, any more. But he was willing to sell an untraceable swipe for just about anything else that held appeal for him. Jules flicked a token from a blue room bar to the man who nodded, swiped the card along the slit in the card reader, and stood aside. Jules pushed at the turnstile, cranking it once, lifted his briefcase and umbrella high, and pushed into the damp crowd of people in transit. Packed inside the train like, he thought, matchsticks. Jules smiled inwardly, knowing he was a go-between, itself a word coined by Shakespeare. His name was an ostentatious and obvious mutation of two words that meant in French, under the right circumstances, pimp. Only Jules did not deal in women and men. Mr. Jules Barbion, known otherwise by his street name of The Pimp, hooked reality. The earliest bound folio of Shakespeare's collected works, most importantly his tragedies, had been scheduled to go under auction at Sotheby's, and Jules had been under contract by the Naranya Solar Empire to purchase the folio at whatever price necessary. That he had also been contracted this week by the Empire's arch-villain, the president of the Petroleum Club, to win the matches they would use to burn the folio, was to him a unique coincidence. It was a conspiracy only a god could author, and he gave thanks to his own personal god of choice, Sobek. He transferred in Chinatown to the D-train and stood towering over the mainly Chinese writers on the platform. 
their orange shopping bags billowing with greens and pale green apples, wrapped fish and dumplings. A woman dressed in a bright orange skin-tight suit and motorcycle helmet stood behind him, out of sight from his wired eyes. She placed an identical steel briefcase at his feet, adjacent to his. A wind pushed down the tunnel, and lights from the approaching train smeared over the cracked white and blue tile. Around them, people read electronic media, listened to electronic media, or dozed. The two did not look at one another as they swapped briefcases at the Grand Street stop. She going her way, and he going his. Over the Manhattan Bridge, the train shook and screeched, coming up from the dark underground into the low thunderclouds. With knockoff copies of the antique Shakespeare Company matches, Jules headed back into the hard weather at the Atlantic stop, into the borough known as Brooklyn, and by those who controlled it as Gasland. <laughs>